Hey, 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 Adam. Welcome to Mailman Podcast. Uh, uh, today, we have Adam, who is the owner of Suzor IT. Am I taking the name right? Is it Suzor? Yes, got it. Okay. Who, uh, who is the owner of Suzor IT, which takes care of all the um, uh, IT requirements for small and medium businesses, uh, especially schools and municip- municipalities. Uh, so, Adam, we want to know, we'll go into your story in full depth, but to start with, we just want to know, what do you do? Who are you? <laughs> maybe in a minute or two. Yeah. So in short, uh, we basically provide simple IT solutions that drive innovation, security, and uptime, um, primarily for K through 12 schools and municipalities. Uh, when I when I was going to school, I realized that the technology that was in the hands of the kids wasn't the best. Um, okay. So that that's kind of where my journey got started. And, and our, our mission, as I, like I said, is really just to have super simple solutions that uh, bring real um, impact to K through 12 students and um, municipalities. Oh, fantastic. So um, if I'm understanding it right, so it's, is it something like, so there's a school somewhere in the country and they need to have somebody to maintain their technology part. So you come into the picture and you provide with all the computers, all the backup equipments, internet, everything so that they can always stay up and running. Exactly, so we come in as a tech department per se. That's that's what we that's what we say is we're a full service tech department. Uh, no matter what the size of your school is, we have some schools with a hundred kids, and then we have schools with a thousand or so kids. Um, so we we like I said, we just come in and we're a full tech department, which is brings a lot of value to those really small schools who would never have the funding um, to hire like a tech director, uh, tech, um, an engineer. And, and we're able to come in and offer um, pieces of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they really get that complete uh, solution. And same, same thing on the municipal side. We do a lot of work with like public safety departments, mm-hmm. um, towns, and they, they would never be able to afford having a full-time tech person. Um, and we're able to give them that level of service um, at a price point that they can afford. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, okay, so uh, I am curious how has this last year has been for you? I mean, during the COVID, has your requirement, your demand grown up or has it been a little difficult? This last year has been crazy. We normally would solve like in a month, um, I don't know, a thousand requests. Uh, that's, okay. that's our normal volume. Um, September, when all the kids came back to school and teachers were running this digital learning, I want to say we topped 6,000 requests in September which was a huge spike. And that's, that's just one metric of where our team's getting stressed. Um, and then on, on top of that, we're rolling out an unprecedented number of laptops um, to staff. And then we have that Chromebook shortage that was going on. Um, <laughs> okay. So we had all these new Chromebooks that were supposed to go to students and they didn't show up. Uh, we, oh. we, we had Chromebooks we ordered in May that just showed up in January of 2021. Oh, um, oh. we had, we had a lot of stresses going on, but I would say that my, our, my team's done a phenomenal job at making sure that the schools are getting, um, the service that they need and that we were able to get the technology and keep things moving. Um, but I'd, I'd say 2020 was definitely just a year of, uh, stress, but fun, fun stress, if that's uh, <laughs> possible. <laughs> that, that's very interesting. To get the complete picture of your day, I mean, uh, I'm sure you spend majority of day uh, uh, running Suzor IT. 
but what else consumes your day uh, do you have uh, any kids or do you have any hobbies um, do you have any friends uh, like what else consumes your day <laughs> or is it just so writing um i'd say right now because the company is so new we just passed year 3 um i'm definitely still really hyper focused on the business um but outside of the business i love doing really anything outdoors so hiking atving snowmobiling um so anytime i have a chance or if i'm if i'm feeling um kind of like worn down or burnt out i just mm-hmm. literally get up leave and go for a hike go um for a weekend trip somewhere i think that's a really important part to keeping that energy going um yep. is that the, the second i start to feel burnt out i'm like all right i'm going to walk away and um, oh, yeah. go do one of those hobbies <laughs> but i i like adventure stuff oh like nice 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 this is this is great uh, okay so now we know what you do now we want to understand why do you do what you whatever you do i mean from where did it start uh, you have told you just told me uh, it's it has been 3 years uh, how, what were you doing before this how it all began um, what keeps you driven um, wh- what do you think is the purpose of your life or whatever you do right now yeah so believe it or not i was never a good student um, school was never my thing <laughs> me too me too uh, <laughs> i probably did like 2 weeks of um college and it just wasn't it just was not for me um okay. entrepreneurship has always been my passion uh and technology i always say so i i say i'm an entrepreneur that's my mm-hmm. job title job description um and technology is just the vehicle that i'm using um wow. in the sense of like entrepreneurship wow. uh, and that's that's cuz like with technology i mean we're we're impacting 6000 7000 people which i don't know what other vehicle other than technology and offering IT service i would be able to impact that many people but i i i got into it with I I started off like I said working at my high school uh because I realized that the tech in the hands of the kids was not proper it was really old okay. um I became a regional IT director which was like being an employee for a town and things oh, wow. moved really really slow um okay. as an entrepreneur I like things moving quick um yep. so I did that for a year and a half two years and then after things moving slow i was like all right i'm just going to start my own business um and we kind of started it and just finished year 3 in year 4 um <laughs> of moving on it and things things oh. have been going great we got five schools that we work with um handful of municipalities small businesses um yeah oh, oh great so is this your first business or did you have any more other businesses before this full time business i mean Yeah, it's it's my first full-time business. I've always had a side hustle. Um even in high school I used to sell water bottles out my backpack. <laughs> oh, like t- tell us a story about this. Um uh, water bottles in the backpack. What really um, happened? So <laughs> I realized in school uh the the water bubblers probably weren't that great and everyone always wanted water. Um so I would uh-huh. I would go to uh Walmart, grab a 24 pack of Poland Spring water. Um realize it was costing me 22 cents per bottle. bring them to school and sell them for a buck because everyone always had a single bill on them. Um I think I was undercutting the cafeteria by 25 wow. cents. Um but I I'd, I'd have friends carry them in. I'd carry them in because they were heavy. You so when you start getting uh 50 water oh. bottles weight adds up. Um but yeah, we just just oh. sell them out of our backpacks in, in class. Oh wow. So you were selling 50 water bottles in a day. 
and every day. Yeah. Yeah, we were so oh until oh, I got in wow. trouble. <laughs> oh wow, man. <laughs> this is this is gold. This is gold. This is gold. Okay, so before before I uh, go into go on to my next question, so I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, and uh, your description says specializing in offering simple solutions for complex problems. It really intrigued me, and I wanted to understand what kind of uh, problems or solutions, like any examples, would be great, because um, the statement is really intriguing. uh how do you how do you uh find simple solutions to complex problems and how do you do it like repeatedly yeah so i'd say the biggest which to me it's not a complex problem but sometimes i think people get hung up we we overcomplicate things um so mm-hmm. i'm going to use wifi as an example um you ever walk into a building and it's like to get on the guest wifi it's this huge process especially yep. schools yep. um it's like you got to go to the office get a special password and Um we have no password, no captive web portal, just connect and it just works. Um oh, wow. And it's it's the same thing with uh student devices and so so anyone can walk into any of the schools we manage and you can just connect. Um and then we think wow. that that's a really important foundation piece um to simplify because we want students transacting in a digital way, communicating in a digital way. um we want the guests to the building to be able to uh work in a digital way um so uh-huh. to do that we had to take this complex process this complex problem and just simplify mm-hmm. it um and we've we've oh. been doing that in one building for the whole time that we've been there 3 years um and we've knock on wood have had no um reasons to go back to adding passwords or some type of complex process oh wow so uh why do you think people add these kind of complex processes and passwords is it to uh, prevent abuse and uh, did you really not see any abuse when you removed all of that um i think i think it people tend to complicate things um, okay in general when sometimes we just need to sit back and say like what what is the actual purpose of doing this so i mean we we still our our network still collects a lot of data so like let's say there was some type of security incident the network still collecting a lot of data and we're still able to address those concerns but i mean really like how we 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 look at a complex problem and say how can we simplify this so we we look at each component and say why do we do this and then either figure out if like there's no good reason let's just throw it out <laughs> and stop doing it oh great so basically you take the cost of running a process maintaining a process and then what benefits does it provide and you you see hey cost is way more than the benefit that we are getting and so we can just totally remove it exactly oh this is a beautiful way to uh, make things simple actually i mean not just in um, technology but i think in uh, life yeah yeah no that's <laughs> um in <laughs> that uh to throw a plug out for mailman um that's why oh. like mailman it's so simple <laughs> it's just like you're on my vip list or you're not <laughs> thank thank you so much adam thank you so much i really appreciate okay so now we know what you do whatever you do uh, how you came to be what is your typical day right now looks like when do you get up what do you do throughout the day do you take any naps when do you go to bed yeah so and this is something new to me i'd say in 2020 is having some type of rhythm to my day like my day has always had some type of rhythm but now I've kind of like thought about it a little bit more I still like sporadic stuff so I try not to have too much of a rhythm but I'd say I wake up somewhere between 6 and 9 um okay. I don't set an alarm um so whenever that. I wake up is when I wake up and I try to go to bed somewhere between 9 and midnight 
And then my, my day, I have a whiteboard where I list my problems for the day. And I just focus on the highest priority, work on that, work on the next one as if I finish the first one. Um, and then I try to review that list every day or every other day and, and reprioritizing and figuring out what the biggest problem is facing um, both my business and our customers. So you have one one long list that you stare at every single day, or do you make up a new list of limited items every day? Every day? Um, I try to keep the list of three items, and then I uh, I work, I prioritize it, and I only work on the top item. If that one's complete in that day, then I'll move to the second item. Um, but at the end of the day, like I'll sometimes I have items that are listed as a third priority that I never ever get to. Um, they so either get delegated. That- or the problem okay. goes away. <laughs> oh, so I thought I, I thought you'll just move this third item to the next day, but you're saying it just goes away. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes they go away. I don't need to. Do <laughs> oh, great. And you and you make this list every single morning, or you uh, or uh, um, uh, in the night the day before. I try to do it at night, and if I don't do it at night, I'll do it in the morning. So once something is on the list, uh, you try to get through it, unless it's the third item. But how do you choose what gets on the list? I mean, there I, I'm sure there must be hundreds of things uh, trying to take your attention in the day. How do you choose to put just three things or four things for the day on the list? And what do so you I do think, with the others? I think this is a skill that you learn through like entrepreneurship. And it, it's it's more of, I want to say like instinctual, right? Like I, I know what the true priorities are. Um, so if I, if I step away from the chaos of the business for an hour and then I just think and I look, I process like everything that's going on. Um, I think this is true about any entrepreneur. Like they, they know exactly what the true, where, where they need to bring true value to their business. Um, and I, and it, it's actually cool. I've been coaching a couple businesses, helping out a couple business owners in the area. And one of the things is that I can always trust, like it's, it's not my, as a coach, like I'm not there telling them like, oh, you should focus here. You should focus here. It's more of helping them and saying like, Hey, what, where do you think you need to focus there? Okay. Now how do we strip away the chaos and the the distractions so you can focus on that piece? I guess on like figuring out it's, it's instinctual, I guess. <laughs> if that, it's oh, probably wow. not a, but I think everyone has that. Everyone knows what the problem is that they need to solve. It's just stripping away the noise. Sure. Uh, following up on that, have you ever made any mistakes? I mean, uh, have you find, found yourself uh, doing something at the end of the day that you shouldn't have, that you shouldn't have been doing uh, this day? Like any any mistake that you have found that you have made you know, managing your time? Always. Um, <laughs> so I'd say the first the first mistake I made was. Um, uh, when I first started the tech company, I also uh, took over a gym. <laughs> took over a gym as in you bought it? Like a fitness, yeah, fitness center. Um, oh. And I was like, oh, so that that was a fun year, year and a half journey. And that just brought, talk about like that noise, like being able to focus in on the actual problem and remove uh-huh. the noise. The gym uh-huh. just brought in so much noise. It was very hard to focus the first year, two years of um running the business. Um, okay. So that was definitely a big mistake <laughs> that I made. And then, uh, and I, I, I'd say like also um, getting caught, getting caught up in the noise. That's, that's definitely the uh, part that I need to focus on um, is stripping the Got noise. It's definitely an issue where with like time management that I can run what into. Ha- what happened to the, to the gym? You saw it? Um, 
Yeah, and I'm selling to the YMCA. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. It was okay. a tech Sorry, project. It was fun. I would never trade in that experience. It was definitely a fun experience. Um, we got rid of all the front desk and automated a lot of stuff, implemented like facial recognition, a lot of cool oh, technology wow. went into there. Um, oh. Wow, wow, wow. This is this is cool. This is cool. But how do you stay productive throughout the day? As in um do you do you run on coffee? Uh is do you do you run on any other Okay. <laughs> is definitely running coffee. Coffee. Okay. I try to stay away from energy drinks because, like, I, I drink a lot of coffee, and I would just drink a lot of energy drinks <laughs> and uh, energy God. drinks up pretty quickly. Um, but I'd say coffee, yep. black coffee, no sugar, no cream, um, is what I is what I run on. Um, is that cold coffee? Is it iced iced coffee? Iced hot, anything. Okay. Um, and exercise. Okay. I um, one of the investments I made two years ago um, was hiring a trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say that's probably mm-hmm. the best investment I made because. My focus is the business. Um, their focus is to make sure I'm staying moving. So I go see them four times a week. And uh, okay. the other days I'm trying to do like hiking or I use um, like a virtual fitness app or something. Um, but exercise definitely helps. And I throw that midday. Um, it gives me that extra boost I need to pull through until uh, the end oh, of the day. So you are saying working out actually keeps you energetic and productive. Do you have any routines? As in, for example, let me throw an example at you. So you come across a problem that requires some sort of creative solution. Now, creativity is one such thing that you cannot force the creativity to come out. Do you have a routine where uh, somehow you cannot force, but you can push yourself to be a little more creative? Um, For example, I'll tell you my uh, routine. I try to find some interesting puns on the internet. Finding puns really pushes me into the creative zone. Uh, maybe in 15 minutes, I find myself being really creative about a lot of things. And that is my creative r- routine. Do you have any similar routine which kind of pushes you into the creative zone so that you can be a little bit more productive and it depends when the time demands? Yeah, I'd say whenever we face like a problem that requires creativity, I just throw it back at my team, um, <laughs> which sometimes I think maybe they get annoyed at because they'll be in the middle of a project or a problem, like solving their own um, problems. And I'll walk up like, all right, guys, boom. And then what do you uh, think about this, 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 this? Um, so I, I'd say through like group discussion, that's definitely how I thrive at solving problems is throwing it out to a team or a group. Oh, I have nine. Now I have a full set of questions because I am one of those people who have always had problems with group discussions and meetings. For example, whenever I, so I believe whenever I have to kill an idea, I try to discuss it in a meeting because anything which is discussed within with, with four or five people somehow just gets demolished. It's just my experience. How do you manage your meetings? How do you keep them, your meetings productive? How, you, how do you direct your meetings? How long are your meetings? What do you really do in the meetings, in the group discussions? I'd say the biggest success I've had is like encouraging people to get fired up. Um, okay. So you, it brings the meeting energy up. Uh-huh. And what, what I find is that when people are in that fired up mode, they don't hold back. Right. So they, they say what's on their mind and then you start to get like true conversation that way. But it's also like, I think making sure that you have a group that's comfortable knowing that you, you may say something that's going to offend someone. Um, but that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, because you can offend people in a respectful way. Um, but that's, that's what drives our conversation. Sometimes I'll throw, I'll, I'll talk about something that's completely not related to the 
problem just to get people in that fired up mood. One reason one was that whole Robin Hood situation. You bring that up, that gets people fired up. Um, <laughs> start, start the conversation <laughs> off with that and then uh, and then introduce the problem and people are in that mindset, they're in that energy level. And then you can, you can uh, get through that problem uh, quickly. <laughs> oh, wow. So let me paraphrase what I have understood. Correct me if I have misunderstood anything. So to have very productive group meetings or discussions, the best way is to throw some controversy into it or conspiracy into it. So everybody is fired up. And when uh, they are in that zone, you throw the problem at them. And then because their mind, it, the minds are working at that pace, uh, the problem somehow gets solved itself. Is this your trick? Yeah, they guess it gets solved quicker too, right? Because when when people are fired up, they're moving quicker. They're like, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. This is this is beautiful. This is beautiful. I think this will make the headline of the uh, blog post: uh, <laughs> How to have productive group meetings. Because in my experience, um, I, uh, I I'm not saying I'm perfect at conducting group discussions. I think I'm the one of the bad bad people, one of the worst people who conduct group discussions. Because I think usually if four people are there. And if the loudest person in the room, so loudest person can uh, be in the terms of volume or in the authority, usually directs the idea. So every four, four of them uh, will come, will have their own ideas. But if one of the loudest person uh, speaks up their idea, the somebody will try to like just keep their ideas underneath, not reveal it. Um, and that this is one thing that actually makes me afraid of group discussions. I like sending everybody an individual email, collect all the data points individually so that they do not get biased and then do something about it. Have you ever faced any similar problem where you found the group discussions somehow biased or controlled by the loudest, loudest person in the room? Yeah, and that's why you get people fired up, right? Because now everyone's the loudest person in the room. <laughs> oh, oh. So if you get everyone in that mind space, but then also I think it's, um, there is that part though. You do need to do some directing. All right. All right. Let's, let's let this one die. Now let's move on to this person and like get, making sure everyone's comfortable to speak freely. Um, but getting them in that fired up mindset, I think is, uh, is key. Um, and that's, that's truly, I think, knowing your team, knowing your colleagues, knowing, because you need to know what's going to get someone fired up. Like everyone gets fired up about something different. That's why, like, before we go into team meetings, I'll, I'll we'll have so many different conversations, but really okay. what I'm doing is getting people fired up. And when we have that meeting, we can crush it. Um, <laughs> Oh, nice, nice. How big is your team and how big are the group meetings that you do? Is it like between four to five people or is it like in tens and twenties? Yeah, it's four to five people. Um, Our our team is, yeah, our team is literally five people. Uh, We rely a lot on partners. Um, So we we have partners that we work with daily. Um, So I'd say like our true team size, if we operate like a traditional business, um, would be 15 to 20 people. Um, But and those, and, but because of how we operate and the huge reliance on partners, um, it allows our team to stay small and nimble, um, which I think is really important. Got it. Got it. Okay. Adam. So, uh, we'll get this part cut, edited out. I just wanted to, uh, remind you that you wanted to throw a question back at me. So I'm, I'm almost towards the end of the, uh, this interview because now I know a lot about you. So whenever okay. you feel all right, maybe towards the end, you can do it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking towards the end, I was going to throw some of the questions right back at you. Because it's hard when you're like in the flow of... (laughs) Yes, 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 absolutely. Okay, so um, Adam, this is my last question. And probably I'll like keep asking more questions if something uh, comes to my mind. If magically you found one additional hour in your day, 
what would you do? What would you spend that one hour doing? Talking to people. I, I love, I just love talking. Um, so oh, I, I, oh, and oh. I think that a lot of magic comes from talking to people, communicating. I think most problems can be solved through talking and, and proper level of communication. And, and I guess talking has always been something I've gotten in trouble for um, ever since, <laughs> like even in kindergarten, um, I went to a private school and disruptions in the class weren't, uh, <laughs> weren't encouraged, um, but I was always talking to people. Um, so that, that's always, I guess, been my strong suit, but that's definitely what I would do is I'd take that hour to go spend an extra hour in front of a customer, um, an extra hour, um, with the team communicating and, uh, working through problems. But I want to know, cause obviously I think mailman is probably something newer, right? How long has mailman been around? In February, towards the end of February, it will be one year. And that's awesome. So like, I want to know as an entrepreneur, like what got you going into the entrepreneur journey? Okay. So, uh, <laughs> firing back at me, but, uh, <laughs> I am very much like you. I mean, um, I started my first business when I was in college, second year of my college. Um, it was simple agency. I, I have been coding since I was 11. Um, so I was in college when I was 18 and I just learned making websites, a little bit of web apps and, uh, then I realized I could actually like talk to people, maybe sell the service, get uh, people ma- made some stuff. And uh, that's how I do- did it. So I assembled three more friends, taught them a little bit. I started getting projects, small, small projects. So this used to be a um, little extra pocket money for all of us. So we survived for two years. After two years, we decided we'll keep running this business. Uh, we'll not sit for campus placements and let's see how we can do it. But uh, their parents... Uh, didn't agree to it their parents wanted to like sit for placement so all three of them got placed i uh, sat out of the placements and uh, that's when i started an internship in a company which was a startup i was employee number three over there there i understood they were building a product unlike an agency they were building their own product the entire three people team four people team were just focusing on one thing every single day and they would release this thing and then thousands of people would use it that was a different thing that I saw. I was like, I need to do this. Uh, I just need to figure out the products that we can make. Uh, so after after seven months, I quit the internship. Uh, uh, anyway, my internship was over in six months. So I was offered a full-time job. But uh, first, within the first month of full-time job, I quit the job. And uh, I started my first company. And I didn't know this small companies are called startups. So this, this is called entrepreneurship. All I used to tell people was, I am a businessman. I am running business. Then somebody... Uh, so I am about uh, 21 that time. I'm 21 and somebody then told me, uh, so he's listened to my story. I think he was a VC. I, I clearly do not, do not remember who yeah. he was, but uh, uh, he, he listened to my story and then he said, oh, so you, are an, so you are an entrepreneur. That was the day I understood who I was and then I had to learn the spelling of entrepreneur because I needed to know the spelling of who I am. So that's how, so basically I was always into uh, building stuff. I call myself a serial maker. I love building stuff. Uh, selling comes to me secondary. I mean, I can sell, but uh, building stuff is uh, where I really get pumped up. Uh, so that was my first product company after my agency. Uh, ultimately it failed after 50, 15 months, but uh, that is that was like a drug. I tasted it and I could not go back to doing job. I just could not. I had to put everything that I had into my second company, uh, which went uh, fortunately quite well, ran it for three and a half years, uh, sold it, 
uh, raised some money, then sold it. Finally, then I was like doing some angel investments on the passive side. I was just spending la- next two two years just investing in some other startups, small small check sizes. Mm-hmm. But last year, twenty twenty, I was done uh, just sitting passive. I, as I said, I am a maker, so I just wanted to get back to making. And uh, somehow Andrew and I got connected on on the internet. Um, so the funny thing is, this mailman. Mailman now is a full blown product, but I was using very stripped down script version of it just for myself. So whenever I had to zone out, so this script mm. would pause my inbox and, and deliver everything every four hours. That was the script, and that used that 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 actually made me focus on my work to get the deep work done. And uh, I was using this script to think of the ideas that I can pursue last year. Then Andrew and I got chatting, and I realized this script itself is the product. <laughs> I, I mean, I was using the script to find an idea, but this script was the idea itself, and uh, we we discussed and we thought, hey, let's partner up and uh, uh, start building this as a product. So it has been going great. Uh, we have uh, thousands of users now, uh, thanks to people like you. Um, I am so excited. I mean, I sent the email to first uh, 200 people. Hey, I want to talk to you, and. Uh, immediately next two hours 48 of my calendar slots were gone so all of my calendar slots until may are gone now i'm just talking to these people i'm really enjoying it i'm really really enjoying it so that was my journey how i started my entrepreneurship journey i didn't even know i'm uh, what journey i am on somebody <laughs> told on my on the way uh, what i'm doing yeah so uh, i just love making stuff so anytime i get chance to make something uh It's very hard for me to say no. That's awesome. Yeah, and I, I'd say that you can definitely tell mailman was written by a busy person. Okay. Like you can just tell. Like I, I, I can just tell. Like the way it's set up. Like those delivery delivery slots, the VIP list. Because um, for me, like especially in 2020, I was getting so many sales emails. Which, as a busy person or as someone who, um, I've been I've been recommending mailman to superintendents. Because they're busy people, and they, that they're a contact point that everyone's trying to contact them. But with all this, I call that the noise. Your inbox becomes useless, and it becomes, and you start missing like key communication. Um, so you, it's that's that's cool to see like the journey um, that you had. Who are uh, as an entrepreneur, like who do you look up to? Like are there like so for for me, it's Gary V. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's he's yes, a rock yes, star. Patrick Bet David uh, from Valuetainment. I listen to him a lot. Elon Musk, who yep. can't. <laughs> And then uh, the I'd say the the last one for me is uh, John D. Rockefeller. He's more history though because he's not around anymore. Um, but I love reading books about him and learning um, learning about him. So who who are like your people that you look up to as an entrepreneur? Oh, uh, there are so many, but I'll tell you uh, some of them who are top on the list. I really was in. intrigued by entrepreneurship product building when i was introduced to steve jobs how he thinks about products how he thinks about simple things uh, that that really opened up my eyes to make something not just useful but beautiful uh, and simple so he he has a lot of uh, impact on me when it comes to building products uh, uh, then of course elon musk um, all time fan long time uh, i have read his autobiography um, the hard problems uh, uh that he he tackles on 
these are like top two. Uh, but then I really, really, really respect some bootstrappers in my network. I'm not sure if you would know. I'm in India, so there are like uh, a couple of companies who are about who are billion dollar companies, and they are all bootstrapped. Uh, they are they're totally bootstrapped. They're billion dollar companies, and they are now about to go uh, do an IPO in the US. So I have huge respect. If you have heard of this company, uh, I think it's a big name now in US as well. Freshworks. It started out just as a customer help desk uh, software called Freshdesk. Um, Girish is the founder, and then how they grew grew up. Uh, it's fantastic. There's another company called Zoho, again bootstrapped, billion dollar, fantastic. Uh, Zoho is comparable to Salesforce these days. Uh, and then my first boss, the internship that I did, my first boss and my first investor in my companies, Mr. Bharni. Uh, again, a bootstrapper building a multi-million dollar business. Um, yep. So, so these people I stay along, uh, like uh, close to these people, and I have that. Uh, I have built one company which was which I was trying to bootstrap and failed. I then built one company where I raised money and succeeded. But still, I still love bootstrapping. Even though I failed first, I with mailman, it's all about bootstrapping. I mean, um, bootstrapping has its own fun. Sometimes things are slow, uh, but. Uh, uh, these three, four people have had a huge impact on me when it comes to how to run a business. Yeah. What is the magic behind India right now? Because there's a lot of companies that um, when I'm looking at like software, I'd say there's two countries where I'm seeing some of the best designed software, India and Canada. I, there's like a handful of apps that I love from Canada, um, but like India, like uh, Chargebee, that's a company yeah. um, uh-huh. that I really like from there. Uh, Freshworks, um, that whole suite, Zoho. So, like, is there like a tech hub going on out there, or is it just uh, kind of like what's okay? So, let me give, let me share a perspective with you. India is one of the big countries in terms of uh, population. Now, thus another competitive con- country in terms of population is China, mm-hmm. which is again technically advanced, but there's a very important difference. Every product that you use in China is in Chinese, is built by Chinese companies. You cannot use any other products uh, of uh, outside in China. So their culture is to have everything in Chinese um, around their Chinese culture. But in India, because everything was open, we from the very beginning are more habitual of using US based products. We developed our thinking like US based products. We uh, developed our design thinking. So India. After China uh, is the largest num- uh, country in terms of population and te- uh, technology people, but the topmost country when it comes to English-speaking technology people. Uh, so all our products are again English English products. Uh, native languages are there. Um, there are some products which are natively used, but this key difference which made us open to these uh, U.S. Canadian products have really forced us to uh, be. Uh, at par with them when it comes to design, when it comes to security, when it comes to scalability of the products. So I think that was the big difference um, from where we learned from. And uh, uh, these days, these days, because the cost of running a technology company in India is far 10x lower than what it is in the US or in the Canada. So that's why even if you have a Canadian company, it's far useful if you can just hire somebody in the India or set up your Indian team because the skills you will find almost comparable. But the cost is so much more affordable. So I might have to I might have to uh, use this connection to get some developers because <laughs> there's like oh, a lot of oh, ideas yeah. that I have about how we can. I really love the software that comes out of India. Like I think that they there's something that and that that makes complete sense because I was actually just no that makes complete sense because like you said China is so sectioned off 
and yep. has to be in Chinese. It's going to be in Chinese. That's it. Absolutely. So, uh, actually, Andrew and I, Andrew uh, Wilkinson of Tiny. Uh, so when we got talking uh, from mailman and then everything else, uh, we also realized actually you can run multiple experiments simultaneously with an Indian team than you can do with any other team. And uh, and uh, again, if something works, you get similar kind of results. So um, now Tiny and we are also doing some sort of experiments by building team in the India, developers getting some developers on board and just doing random experiments. No, We don't know which one will succeed, but as they say, uh, nine out of 10 startups fail. So the best way to succeed is to do 10 startups. At least one of them will succeed. <laughs> so. <laughs> Of course, I'll, I'll be very happy to help you uh, uh, put in, uh, get in touch with uh, some developers whenever you need. I'm just an email away. Let me know. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. No, I, th- I think this call has been awesome. It's, and, this, and this to me is the beauty of technology. Um, so here you are in India and here I am in Eastern United States. Uh-huh. We're having a conversation. Um, this is awesome. Absolutely. Adam, before I let you go, uh, why don't you tell us and everybody listening, uh, if they want to get in touch with you, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, Adam Suzor, S-U-Z-O-R. I'm on Instagram. It's all at Adam Suzor. um, And then I'm also on Facebook. So the the three main platforms that I post on is Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. Great. I'll put all of these those links in the show notes um, and in the blog. So anybody can just directly click on them and go to your profile. Uh, thank you so much, Adam, for taking out time. Uh, I really love this conversation. I got a lot of perspective how you spend your day, why you are here, what you do, uh, why, do why do you do whatever you do, uh, the mistakes that you have made. Uh, I'm sure, uh, like me, all of us reading this blog post, uh, listening to this podcast would be thrilled to know your story. <laughs> <laughs>